When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Dan Sugarman, welcome to the show. Thank you for making time for this. I have some very important, serious questions about your health and career and guitars and all that stuff. But, you know, I got to start with a trash question for engagement, which is... When was the last time that you pooped your pants? And just to be clear, sharts do count. I really, 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 really appreciate this question, dude. Also, thank you for having me. Um, I'm a huge fan of this podcast. So for me, sorry. What was that? I just shat myself. So (laughs) now was that a full on or just a little shart? That was a little, that was a little shart. No, dude. So I actually have, I have this memory of my mother making like, tiger shrimp or some shit on the on the grill and you already know where this is going right it's like if shrimp if shrimp is underdone you've got you've got some well done char in the old pants there so basically right dinner dinner was a good time i was fucking stoked and then i was just like i think just working on something in my studio this was in my adult life this was when i was like 20 right not in my childhood (laughs) um and i was working on something and i thought i would just let out a little squeaker and it turned out to be (laughs) A little more dense than I planned for. A little more viscous. Got a little bit of a bonus. Yeah, I was. Um, I, I've I've definitely sharted in the years since then. But the last one I remember really being like notable. I was maybe twenty three or something like that, and uh, I got up in the middle of the night to use the bathroom. This was, yeah, two thousand one or two or something like that. So I still wore boxers back then. I got Dangerous. up to use the bathroom to pee at night. I, I peed and again thought I would sneak out a fart. Turned out to be a little bit more than that. And a little nugget actually fell out the bottom of my boxers. Dude, and, I was like, going to say, you don't, you don't have the cuff at the bottom of like the Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, and we, we had one of those little like rugs um, around the toilet. And uh, my roommate at the time, like, and I picked it up. I thought I'd clean it up. My roommate at the time in the morning was like, what the fuck is that like slime? Did you shit? like on the floor in front of the toilet and i was like kind of was there was there like shame or were you just like picking up after your dog just like bending down and picking up a turd yeah more like that i mean it's like you know i mean listen we're all humans you know what are you you gonna do i mean we have holes in us i mean you could argue we're broken right like there's there's clearly a leak somewhere speak for yourself buddy yeah, I mean, dude, I've I've always thought we were we were born <laughs> with cracks and holes in us. There's a, there's a design. Exactly. Flaw. Yeah. If if sharding on the floor at 23 years old is wrong, then I, I don't want to be right. That's all yeah. I have to say. Dude, fuck, I'm I'm here for this for this. I'm gonna drink coffee to kind of hope I can shard again today. But yeah, best of luck. Thanks, well, uh, on a, on a more serious dude. note, 
Um, you have survived thyroid cancer and yeah. you are now back in action, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's the plan. So how does it feel to make it through all of that and kind of get back to something like normal life? And really quickly, I also wanted to mention my Patreon. If you like what I do on YouTube and everywhere else, joining my Patreon really helps me do this full time and worry less about videos getting demonetized by YouTube or copyright claimed by labels. Patrons get all my podcasts and main channel videos early. There are members only channels in my Discord that I'm super active in. I also do giveaways. For example, I've been giving away a lot of Emo's Not Dead merch. And you can also have me review your music, artwork, or anything else. All you need to do is join my Patreon at the $10 level. And then every month I do a call for submissions. If you want me to review something, just drop it in the comments of that post. And then I will review it live on Twitch. So if any of that sounds cool to you, hit the link in the description of this video. And I appreciate your support. I kind of can't even begin to fathom this discussion. And to be honest, Finn, you're the first person to directly ask me this. So this is like a very, very, very candid thought here. Um, for one, what's it like to go through all that shit? scariest thing that could possibly happen in my life. My mother died of cancer. Um, I have a lot of cancer history, like just in my family stuff. Uh, my thyroid cancer doesn't normally kill people usually. No, it doesn't. But, but like, but it's still scary. The I don't mean word. to minimize them. I go, no, come dude, on, dude, Dan, dude. what's the big yeah. deal? <laughs> Pussy. Yeah, dude. What did you get? Vagina or vagina cancer? Come right. on. Um, so basically it was this thing where like, I found this giant ass lump on my neck and it was out of nowhere. And because I am the way that I am, because I dealt with so much medical stuff with my mother and my dad, actually, uh, I was really against wanting to go get it checked out. Mm. I was, I'm, I'm like a really, 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 um, spiritual type dude. Right. So I, I was like, I'm going to fucking meditate this thing away. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to disappear for a couple of weeks and do nothing but like focus on positive intentions and do all this shit. And like, it didn't get worse, but it didn't get better. And I got to a point where like this lump in my neck, which turned out to be a cancerous tumor was so large. It was about six centimeters. It was so large that it was actually collapsing my trachea. So like oh, wow. breathing and talking was challenging, you know, like since I wasn't touring, I was teaching, uh, three, four days a week. So like my lessons were really fucking challenging. I'm like wheezing and winded. And then like, and you're just like kind of hoping this is going to go away. Yeah. I mean, dude, I've, I, ironically, I've had something before on my left side when I was living in Texas, my glands, like underneath my jaw, I was eating yeah. a, a tuna wrap and all of a sudden my gland exploded like the size of a baseball and I was freaking out. And then the next day it was gone. So in my mind, I'm thinking like, Maybe this is one of those things, or maybe that was the beginning of this. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't really know. Yeah. The catch 22, the whole thing, but, but effectively it's scary stuff when you feel giant lumps on your neck. I mean, any, any lumps usually suck, right? Yeah. In reality, dude, actually I like lumpy oatmeal is pretty good. I'll take that back, but, but yeah, effective, or pulpy OJ. I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan. Um, speaking of lumps, dude, I just watched uh, Ace Ventura recently. That shit did not hold up. <laughs> I have never seen that movie. Oh my God. There's this bit at the end where like the, the antagonist is like a, it's a male football player that turns into a female cop. And uh -oh. like the whole out that like the end bit of the movie is like pantsing her to like show Mr. Winky that she's stuffed between her butt, like tucked in. Never mind. Lump, yeah. Lump jokes going over the head. It does not hold up. Yeah. It does not hold up. Dude. <laughs> so you got your thyroid 
out completely then this they cut your neck open so i got i got half of my thyroid removed and oh, like okay. i'm doing a bunch of incredible like skin stuff to make sure that my scar is not gnarly yeah although i should have just like thrown salt and acid at it so i could be like a, make- a makeup special effects thing for ice nine right you don't have to do fucking makeup anymore but um yeah dude so i basically it was discovered we did um do i want to talk shit on yeah dude i'm you know what it's it's whatever really be an advocate for yourself um i i had medical not very good health insurance and then i had student doctors taking care of me mm. um terrifying right that's like people yeah. younger than me telling me what to do to save my life uh, i'm pretty sure this is not yeah. good straight up dude straight up and then and like i'm like yeah like i'd really love if we could get this handled and like make sure it's nothing so i could go back on tour with my band they're like you're in a band what are you and then they start fanboying on that and then it's just like this is immediately not feeling like a doctor is supposed to feel. I don't like this. Yeah. Um, and they do a biopsy. So thyroid shit is really freaking weird. Um, it reaches what's called, they have a Tyrad scale, Tyrad's one through five. And I had a Tyrad five, which is like not good. That means they want to take it out basically. Um, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Tyrad five is to do the biopsy. I forget the other scale for taking it out, but I also aced that fucking test. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so basically... We have to do a biopsy. A biopsy for a thyroid is really fucking gnarly. You know, when they take like an Arctic ice core sample and it's like this giant hollow tube. It's called an I had one. You had, you had a thyroid. Yeah. So fine needle yeah. aspiration. Yeah. Probably, hopefully by a professional, not a child. I felt nothing. I felt everything. Oof. So, so for, for, I'll just tell people because you already know, but it's like, they have to take this hollow needle, stick it into your neck, into your thyroid with no anesthetic, no nothing. You're completely awake. And they basically go in and they have to poke in all directions for 15 seconds to gather as much. Oh, mine was just material. a little like, because my thyroid wasn't that bad. So they probably were exploring Dude, a little bit more with in, you. Poke, 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 15 seconds. Come out. Ugh. Let's do that four more times. We have to do it five times. Ugh. And right here in your neck, right here, right next to my, like my, uh, Adam's apple effectively. And I'm trying to remember the, the real name for an Adam's apple has something to do with the thyroid, which I never knew before, but it was kind of weird. Adam's apple is like a made up name. Um, should be called Eve's apple. Am I right? That's kind of fucking weird. (laughs) Thanks Eve. Thanks for nothing. Come on, dude. Uh, or, or, or do that. But basically she calls me three days later and goes, Hey, so we kind of botched the biopsy. Oh. Can you come back and do another? And I'm sitting there like ha- expecting like, dude, and I, I have to zoom out a little bit on this. I was, bro, this, this is a movie. This is the most cinematic bullshit ever. And I swear I'm not dramatizing this. I had the contract to sign, to rejoin the touring situation with my band. It was on my fucking desk. I had just got off the phone with my lawyer, with Eric German, the band lawyer. Everything's a fucking go. I'm super stoked. I got the pen out. Get the call from my doctor. God, it's like a movie. <laughs> Straight up, dude. And I, I like, I sat there. So here's, I'm going to kind of fast forward a little bit after getting the second biopsy done. Um, that shit sucked. Hurt just as bad. My doctor calls me and goes, hey, so like, this is not the news we wanted to give you, but you have cancer. And I drop to my fucking knees, lose it. Fucking like laying on the floor for like a couple hours, literally just being like, who the fuck do I have? Do, what do I tell? Like, I, obviously I need to tell my family, but like my band, my fucking best friends, the, the, the crew that's like dependent on me, this entire faci- or this machine that needs to move forward. And if I 
I'm this fucking wrench in the works. That's going to be really bad. So the first thing that I did was I called Spencer and it was like the most heavy, heartfelt conversation I've ever had with that dude. He gave me, I'm trying not to cry right now. This is really gnarly. Um, he gave me his fucking love. He gave me his support. Um, and the band's like blessing, so to speak, to just be like, dude, like, don't even worry about, I, I was like, dude, I'm so fucking sorry. Like I need to, I want to do this tour. Like, and he's like, dude, shut the fuck up. Like, take care stay alive. Like, don't even worry about us. We're good, man. And, and that really, 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 really sucked. But effectively my doctor called and said, you have cancer. And then she called me an hour later and said, ah, whoops, actually. Yeah. So the whole student thing was the worst thing in the fucking world. So she calls me and goes, actually, so it looks like the second biopsy wasn't as good as we thought it was as well. So what it looks like is there is like, sketchy looking cells that look like papillary thyroid papillary thyroid carcinoma um and we're going to recommend to take out the entire thyroid and uh if if that's the case we're going to have to put you on thyroid medication for the rest of your life and if yeah. you don't take it for a couple of weeks you'll die yeah and i'm like oh cool so like suckle on the teat of the man to stay alive like i don't fuck with that that's not how yeah, I knowing operate. what i know about you that doesn't sound like you'd be down no dude like i you know my my mother had brain cancer for um just under 11 years and she had three brain surgeries chemotherapy yeah. all this shit and doctors it was on the last tour i did with this blood runs black where we find out her tumor came back for the fourth time and i was just immediately i I quit the band. I was like, I need to go be my mom's caregiver. I need to go fucking be by her side. I just lost like eight years playing fucking metalcore instead of being with my mom. What the fuck, right? So I did that whole thing. Um, and through the way that I am, through a shitload of research, all the doctors said she had about a month or two to live. And I found something called RSO, Rick Simpson oil. Have you heard of this before? No. It's, uh, it's a marijuana distillate. And my mom was sober for like 12 years. She, she had recovered from a lot of stuff and it was a really, really big discussion to get her to try this stuff. And her tumor shrunk 45% and we got two more years with her from like me finding this shit that doctors wouldn't fucking ever say they would never sign off on. So like, that's where I come from. So when a doctor says like, you got to get this shit removed and you got to take these pills for the rest of your life, I went into this reclusive research zone and I started just doing a lot of I'm back to the meditation, right? A lot of thinking, a lot of deep, insightful stuff, a lot of fucking journaling. And I decided to shell out all of the fucking funds to get actual health insurance. So now I'm on like very good health insurance and that gets yeah. me access to real doctors. And the second I had access to real doctors, I start having real conversations. Um, and the real doctors express that you should advocate for yourself. Like the doctor yes. I have now is fucking incredible. He, I basically auditioned like eight different surgeons and doctors and As this, you should. Guy, this guy straight up was like, dude, you're the king and I'm either your general or your right hand man. And if you want, otherwise like it's whatever, but just know you're the king and you have the final say and everyone else is like telling me what to do and what I should fucking. And it's just like, that's the guy. And then I'm asking him, I'm like, Hey dude. So like my left lobe is huge. My right lobe is totally normal. Is there any way to just take like the bad side? And he was like, well, it's called a partial thyroidectomy and that's not really common with what you have. No one would do that, but I think it's a good idea for you. And I'm going to contact my buddy who is like the world renowned. He does like all the surgeries on like the Prince of Arabia kind of fucking shit. He's like the super mm -hmm. boutique dude. 
um, they had this conversation and had a discussion because I had this idea. They decided that that would be a better idea. And then soon after that, this research came out saying that people who need full thyroidectomies, if they get it done in two partials, their thyroid, their TSH levels balance out better, the recovery is better, and the um, prognosis is better. So basically me having my own brain and coming up with the yeah. question yielded the better idea and then the better scientifically proven idea right now. And then now here I am not needing to be on medication, but I am on medication to keep my, do I want to make this a med uh, education thing? Basically your, yeah. pituitary, your pituitary glands excrete something called TSH, thyroid stimulating hormone. Your thyroid then takes that and then creates T4, which turns into T3 and T2. So my pituitary gland is basically spraying enough TSH for my two thyroids and it's now going to one, which is a growth hormone and we don't want my thyroid to grow. So I need to be on some medication so that there's no TSH going from my pituitary gland. So like that's what it, I'm taking vitamin D in the most like basic shit to stay alive right now. Actually, nix that last part. I'm super fucking alive. This is just to remain extremely healthy for the rest of yeah. my life. So you are basically back to normal life now. Dude, I get I get blood work done every couple of months. I speak to my doc. My doctor's fucking awesome. He gave me his number. He's like, dude, text me if you have questions. So I'm. It's like a very, very, very fluid, comfortable. I'm I'm in the clear kind of situation, man. It's it's a blessing for sure. We well, did have to miss. Um, you did have to miss this tour, which oh, I'm sure sucked. Oh um, my god. Yeah. Uh, I'll I'll tell you a story. Um, that I, I think maybe. Maybe people know this about you. Maybe they don't. I mean, if they've listened to the band, they should know it. But people may not realize how much of a shredder you are. Um, so Doc Coyle of, uh, of God Forbid and uh, Bad Wolves filled in for you, who's a good friend of mine. I've known him forever. He told guys. me that he was going to be filling in for you like hours before like you guys announced it. And I was like, and Doc is a very good guitarist, right? Yeah, he But uh, I, I was like, oh, um. And, and I'm friends with Doc, so I could say this. I was like, can you play that stuff? And he was like, no. <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to do this shit, man. Yeah. So the point being is, you know, if Doc is stressing about playing your parts, um, that says a lot about your ability. And, and what is the secret to getting that good at playing guitar? That's a really good question. First of all, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave this here. Doc is one of the best dudes on this earth. This man took on like you know when like a boat is taking on water and everyone's like oh fuck get the water he's just like sick dude we're taking a bath fuck it like he doesn't care you just keep adding on like burden to him and he's like let's go i'm born for this shit there was i'm not going to talk about this but he had some other incredible shit i'm sure you know about it going on at that same time that he just recently told me and the fact that he managed to balance both is mind-blowing to me and um you know, him, him coming out at the very last minute and just being like, dudes, like, I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to swing these parts. They're, they're pretty fucking gnarly. And I'm going to sit here and say, how did I get this good at guitar by ignoring what everyone else fucking does and talked about and taught and coming up with my own approaches and like systems and processes, which is why what I play is so fucking difficult because it doesn't come from the same foundational stuff that most people. Right. Come from, right. right. Very unorthodox, super unorthodox. And as, as an Orthodox Jew, that's not, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> So basically it came down to like days before the tour was going to start. Like we had this discussion, like, what are we going to do? And I was like, I know, I know one guy who can play like, like I do my shit. 
So we got miles. I hit him up. I called him that night. Yeah. He was like, fuck dude. Like I got a couple days. So he and I spent like that weekend doing a bunch of zoom calls. I would send videos to him about the parts and he got that shit down, busted his ass. Doc shifted his, his focus from doing like leads to harmonizing all this stuff with miles and then doing incredibly dude. His, he's got a voice of an angel. I don't think people know that. Yeah. He's such a good singer. It's incredible. So he, I mean, it's pretty ridiculous that those two guys, you know, pulled this together, you know, in really like is, days. Dude. It really, really, really is, man. And I'm not going to sit here and ever say anything about, I don't, I don't know if I could do that. You know what I mean? If someone hit me up and was like, Hey, like here's this guy who plays a bunch of stupid fucking notes and you have a couple hours to join Polyphia in three days. Right. Right. And play with fucking Deftones from a year after yeah. that. Like, and that's, <laughs> right. and I didn't know necessarily what my timeline would be. I just knew in that instance, like, Hey, my doctors are saying I have cancer. Like, I don't really know what the prognosis is. Um, you could be here for a couple months. You could be here for like a year. I don't really know. But like, as of now, like I'm stepping back into the band in 2024. So Miles is just finishing out this year. He's doing the In This Moment tour. I don't know if Doc is actually. I think Doc is focusing back with Bad Wolves. I think but, so. I'm not positive. But, either, yeah, but, but, I but so. either either way, that that situation to have both of those dudes step up, put so much hard work, front loading so much hard work to have an experience that I think all of us have been working our whole lives for like to tour with Metallica. Like I'm, I'm so fucking honored to have those dudes as my buddies. And like, can I say proud of the fucking work they did? That feels weird to say, but I'm really fucking proud of them stepping up. I'm not their dads, but like fucking proud of them, dude. Um, you're their friend. You can be proud of your friends. Yeah. It's a, I feel like pride is like a dad thing, right? I don't know. It feels <laughs> weird. It feels weird. Well, I'm a dad now, so I can be proud of everybody. This is a hey, man. I'll, you can be proud of them for me. You can, I can be like real condescending. Like, you know, if, if you joined Metallica, I'd be like, Hey, I'm proud of you, man. Yeah. I would, I would have been proud if that's something you yeah. could use. You could like lead people to what you want by, by them. Like right. Right. Striving for pride. That's good. Right. Um, I would have been proud if you were in, uh, if you were in Metallica, but your just, band played with Metallica. Opening. That's, I mean, that's cool too. Whatever, dude. You know? Like I, I, I like to show up like later at a show. So I didn't catch you guys. My bad. Right. Right. But you did, you missed this tour, but you did get to play with Metallica or, or, you know, Ice Nine Kills got to play with Metallica, including you with Greta Van Fleet, I think, right? Like a year you weren't on that one. Sadly, no, dude. So, oh, I thought you were. Yeah, I, dude, I haven't toured for like three years, bro. Oh, I really? Not, yeah, dude. Yeah. So like, dude, I don't, I don't know how much I want to get into this stuff. Oh, uh, I know about some of this stuff. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, it's just one of those yeah, things yeah, yeah. where it's like, uh, Things had to go a certain way, and like right. I, I'm, I'm not the kind of guy who does what people say to do. Right. <laughs> so here we are. But then, as I'm ready to come back in, and I'm fucking stoked. Life is awesome. Uh, C word. You know. Yeah. So yeah. So no, I didn't get to play with Greta Van Fleet and Metallica. I haven't actually had to, the possibility to play any of these songs that I wrote for Welcome to Orwood live at all. I've only performed on Twitch. It's a really weird. Right. It's a real weird situation. Um, but I guess just well, to, if you want to, if you want to play by your, your own rules, you got to accept that sometimes there's, you're going to pay a price for that, which it sounds like you, you do. Yeah, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. I understood the, uh, the situation, obviously, you know, 
time will tell what matters, what doesn't matter. And I'm going to leave this as cryptic as it needs to be, but actually to go back because I don't want to not answer your question. You said, how did I get to this level at guitar playing? Um, and how, and, and, and for other people, how should they do it? If it's maybe not your way. That's a really, really good question, man. So like, I approach everything in the most abstract, weird fucking way. Um, I'm trying to think of like a good example that maybe I could pull on from like yesterday in my guitar lesson. So it's just a little bit more like on the nose, but like, let's say, okay, this is a good one. I have this student who was struggling with, she's a newer student and she's having some, some issues with like pain in the back of her wrist she was having some issues with like extra motion in her fingers and stuff like that. And where 99% of guitar teachers and guitar players would go, well, let's, let's squeeze less hard and let's move your fingers less. Squeezing hard and moving your fingers is a byproduct of eight other things. So you don't just get mm -hmm. to be like, oh, like if you want to lose weight, just don't eat. Like that's like, it's like the same solution and it doesn't work that way. Right. So I recognize that many, 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 many fucking years ago. And it actually came from, let's see if I can even tie this in. I was trying to solve legato like 12 fucking years ago. Legato, for those of you guys who don't know, um, literally translates to the word smooth in Italian. Uh, legato in Spanish is the cat. So I guess smooth pussy, smooth pussy is legato. So we've got um, a really, really strange technique that is super nimble, super like samurai ninja light on your toes. It's really, really challenging to, to master. Um, and you need to have all four of your fingers operating individually as opposed to operating like a hand. And that becomes really challenging. So the second I would put finger two down, finger one needs to not be active, but it also needs to not be lifting away. Because if I lift finger two, I'm sorry, if I lift finger one, that is equally as much energy as me putting finger two down. And if guitar playing is a game of putting fingers down, why would I split my energy into putting fingers up too? Is that, even though you're not like yeah. super good, does that, does that sort of make sense for you a little bit? Yeah. I mean, so, I, I, I've been playing guitar for like, you know, not very well, but uh, I have played guitar for about 30 years. So I get it. Okay. You get it, dude. You totally get it. So yeah. effectively that sort of solution where I was like, okay, so I need to come up with an answer of how do I make it so that the second I put finger two down, finger one goes into the position it should be as a byproduct or a symptom of me putting finger two down. Yeah. Um, and then lo and behold, I'll just tell you all the real story because I usually tell my students and then something rolled off my desk. It was a weed vial. It was a vial of weed. I'm not a fucking asshole. Uh, so I'm sitting in my, my, my studio trying to like, this was like 10 years ago, trying to solve this, this thing. And this vial of weed rolls off of my desk and um, like Newton getting hit in the head with an apple. I understood legato like he understood gravity. Mm -hmm. And what it is, let me grab something round here. If something is rolling forward and backwards occur in that same exact action. Do you see that? Mm -hmm. Same way that up and down occurs left, right, diagonal this way is the diagonal that way. So effectively, if I have my hand as a ball rolling, obviously this is a mental feat. It's not, if my hand is a feat, no, that's really confusing. If the mental feat of turning my hand, which is effectively a square, you have four fingers creating a square and it's super clunky. By visualizing it as a ball, I can have my fingers rolling from finger to finger, which means that by if finger one is where my thumbs connect by me rolling to this crease, which is finger two, by me simply rolling here, this finger went into an off position instead of down position. So like, although I'm getting extremely in the fucking minutia and details of this, what I'm trying to show you is like, it's the way that I think 
that allowed yeah. me to get to this point. I think of it's shit, the software. It's the software. It's not necessarily this is the, the same way. So I, I do jujitsu, and it's the same way that if you ask someone, you know, hey, how do I? Like I'm struggling with this armbar. How do I do it? And then ten minutes later, you know, they give you this really long answer about hips and inertia and momentum and all that, you know. But and and people want to be like, no, just tell me where to put my hand. But it's not that simple. It's not. It's like it's counterweights. It's yeah, dude, totally, totally. So it's like I would say that that story, that that concept. What I learned from that is like whatever it is is what it isn't. Whatever it isn't is what it is. So like if there's a problem that you're facing, the solution is exactly what you think it isn't going to be. So I literally like with my students, I'll, I'll even just be like, hey, what's the last thing you'd expect the solution to be? And it's what it is because I'm training them to look for the holes, for the opportunities, yeah. for, the, for the light coming through the crack that they otherwise would miss because they're like too busy. Like, oh, my finger's flying away. Let me combat that by pressing it closer to the front. That means I'm now fighting three things. I'm trying to put okay. my finger down. I'm trying to not put it up. And then I'm trying to. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage. All the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer. All lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Put it back down. The fuck are you doing yourself? So it's like, it's a lot of that sort of, sort of mental. I, I would thing. call that like first principles thinking. That's, that's genius. And the way that I, I talk about it in terms of interfacing, which is exactly what I would consider first principles is it's like interfacing is the second that two things make contact with each other, not what you do when you're with in contact with that. Right. So it's not the techniques that I'm doing. It's how I'm like, traversing the strings how am i like touching the strings how am i gripping the neck what is my pick hold what is the the tension in my step into the world of power loyalty and luck i'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse with family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hands. Am I breathing? Are my shoulders relaxed? Can right, I actually feel right. gravity in my body? Because if I can't, then I'm combating gravity. Therefore, I've lost at least 20% of my availability in my hands. If I'm not, you know, on and on and on, dude. So it's like... It's like, for example, a lot of people carry a lot more tension in their face than they realize. Dude, I was just working with my student yesterday because every time he plays, his lips quiver and move. And I'm like, yeah, hey, that's that's 15 percent at least lost in your face. Can I ask you to? And I had him just like stand up and shake and like right. make his lips all loose. Uh, and then he did the flicks perfectly right after that. Because if you look at like. A hose, if I poke a hole in that hose. And if my whole entire focus is how much water is coming out of the end of that hose, if I poke a hole in the hose, I'm going to be losing some water pressure as well as wasting energy, right? Right. That's what that shit is. A quivering lip is as a leak down the, down the hose. So and to your point it, earlier, the problem, the reason why you're fretting is stiff might be because of your face. Yeah, dude, you got to fix your fucking face. <laughs> but for real, it might, no, yeah. it really might be. It could be your face. It could be, I mean, dude, it's, it's so interesting, right? Like, 
people think like, oh, dude, I have tension in my shoulder. Well, do you know you have shoulder tension because your lower back is tense? Right, right. You release, can you release the front of your hips to relax your lower yeah. back on the other side of that? Do you know that the front of your hips are connected to your lower back? It's like and all the, of the place you have your foot might be the reason why your back is stiff. Dude, exactly. Exactly. Or, or is the person not have their foot propped up like they should when they're sitting and that's going to cause other yeah. stuff? Or is there is their leg in their lap when they're trying to play? Right. Well, you're, you're literally reaching around. You're doing a reach around on yourself, dude. Not <laughs> Which is impressive. Good. Yeah, dude. I mean, you should be on OnlyFans again. OnlyFans. Yeah. But it's like, it's this thing where I guess I would say I don't subscribe to anyone else's thoughts or solutions with anything. <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh, I mean, that's not, that's not true. I listen to my doctor. I listen to people I respect and love and shit. But like. Um, you're going to question was, them. I question, I question everything, dude. Like. Yeah. Who, who, who said the moon is the moon? Like we, we're told the moon is the, like, I I'll question everything, dude, no matter how insane it makes me look like, what is air? Do we really know what that shit is? (laughs) What are magnets, right? Like when they made fun of insane clown posse, he was right. Nobody, nobody understands magnetism at a fundamental level. We just know it exists. Violent J was right. Exactly. What are magnets? I know it was right. I know it's fucking goofy. But if you can allow yourself to ask those questions once in a while, it opens your mind up to, sure. like I said, seeing the, the light through the crack to like see something someone else wouldn't. And then all of a sudden a solution is available to you. That's going to get you one step further. And that's why you're here and they're not. So you mentioned that you haven't had the chance to play a lot of the songs that you wrote um, for Einstein kills. And so you've been in the band now for about three years, I think, right? Like five and a half. Oh, okay. Okay. A little bit longer than I realized. I mean, so you, you like, it was the end of 2018. No. So like four and a half, four and a half. Okay. Got it. Well, how did you actually end up in the band? Cause I don't think I know. It's a good question, dude. Um, I was living in Texas at the time, working on a music education business that was defunct business partner wound up being like world's largest scam artist fucked me over when I was, traveling and on vacation he like robbed the house and moved out and left me in this fucking house like stole all of my gear and all this shit i was in a really 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 shit place um and i remember speaking with ricky slightly in those months and i think maybe that's where this happened i think maybe that's why i was on spencer's mind potentially but spencer reached out to me out of the blue on instagram he added me and i was like oh fuck yeah and I, ironically, my, this roommate I was just talking about, his uh, girlfriend at the time's favorite band in the world was Ice Nine Kills. So for me, this was like the ultimate, the ultimate vendetta. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but no, Spencer, Spencer reached out to me on Instagram, um, asked what was going on with me, asked what my availability was. It was good. It was a go. And then he asked if I was down to learn, I think, American Nightmare. And what wound up happening was I filmed that as well as Mary Axmas, because like that's what I could pick up as like the hardest stuff guitar wise. So I did the Mary Axmas song. I did American Nightmare because it has that one little arpeggio thing. And then I did Savages as well, because it's kind of got like a it's a feel sort of solo. So within 24 hours, I went above and beyond, sent them three instead of one, sent them within 24 hours instead of the week kind of thing. Right. And I think that's, that's a big part of why uh, I, I operate in this in this realm is because I'm a huge proponent of like under promise over deliver. I think that's a really really big factor in this industry. Actually, yep. ironically, any industry, and 
Yeah, super true. Just Actually, life. super true. Life. Yeah, the industry of life is very true. So I over delivered, and um, within like two days, Spencer hit me back and was like, "Hey, dude, like whole band is stoked, whole team above is stoked, management's fucking stoked. Uh, you're in if you want to be." And then I started learning all this stuff. I think I had like a week and a half to learn about an hour of material. And then I flew out to uh, Boston, to Massachusetts, to start rehearsal for the first tour in Joe's parents' basement, which is pretty epic. So we, yeah, it was, it was really cool, dude. So we flew out to be with a bunch of dudes I'd never met before, spent like two weeks rehearsing, becoming best friends with these dudes immediately. And then life began, you know? And, and, and I, will, I will say, dude, that working with these guys after being in other bands and seeing the way that this team operates, seeing the way that the fans operate. There's something really fucking special about this whole, this world that I'm yeah. in. It's really fucking. Yeah, cool. absolutely. It kind of really kicked off right about the time that you joined. So maybe, maybe it was Dan Sugarman was the secret ingredient that was missing this whole time. I'm going to 100% not agree to that, but I appreciate you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I do think, um, I, I think that, you know, obviously the work that Spencer and everyone else have been doing for you know the 15 years or so that you weren't in the band obviously was like you yeah. know a huge part of it but musically the band definitely leveled up a lot you know after you joined yeah man i mean it was a really like very noticeably dude that means that means so fucking much i mean for, first of all i have to say this joe our our bass player and he's like one of the other main writers between spencer and i and, and him uh he's such a fucking phenomenal musician and such an incredible piano player that like that's a huge part of it. The fact that like Spencer can have these ideas now and have zero, what's the word filter for like what is possible. He's just like, right, right. nuts to hear this and like, we'll do it. And then I'll be like, actually that's, that's a little bit too much. And then we could peel back from there. <laughs> that's but, a good like, problem to have. It's a good problem to have. And I mean, it's, what... it's amazing to me that the band is as big as it is playing stuff that is like very conceptually kind of left of center and also musically now like just wild like it's really not accessible music that i like it feels to me like it should be a tiny little cult band that only like yeah. total nerds like and it's yeah, not that dude it feels to me like 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 spencer took the temperature of everything going on and like do you know I'm, i forget the town it's actually pretty i think it might be burbank but the original mcdonald's and the original taco bell are like across the street from each other do you know about this I story i know that yeah. No. And, and Taco Bell was originally a burger place and they were competing with all other burger places, like all the Tommy boys and all that shit. What made Taco Bell become Taco Bell? The taco. They were doing burgers before that. So then being like, let's do like the same sorts of like ingredients in a completely different shape and like a different like culture and a different and more of a niche. Right. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden you could argue Taco Bell is like as big as McDonald's, maybe, maybe not globally, but if not, it's certainly close. You it's know, certainly it's right close. up there. So I think I think Spencer did something really similar to that, where instead of doing what everyone else was doing better, he did what no one was brave enough to do. Mm -hmm. And and as as good or as bad as it was, it's continually getting better. And I think that's what keeps this band in this like very secure. Uh, I don't even niche isn't even the right culture. It's not even no, a niche it's it's no, a it's not a niche. Yeah. yeah, and if what's interesting is if it was me. Um, because I'm, you know, a marketing guy 
Mm. If it was me with Welcome to Horrorwood, that would have been the butt rock album. I'd be like, now we got to play it safe, right? Because finally we've sort of broken through. We can't do anything that's too weird because we yeah. want the octane people to like us. We got to do something safe. And, and it's definitely like the weirdest, most like yeah. technical material that Ice Nine has ever done. Absolutely. And it's also on the inverse side of it. Like the first song we did for this record, I guess besides, besides Hip to be Scared, we actually wrote that in the bus on tour with Papa Roach right before the COVID hit. So that one was like written on tour, I guess. But the first one we did, let's go home and actually write this fucking record. That was Ex Mortis. And that song is like, it's a six, eight swing song. It's supposed to feel like zombie Elvis. It's super fucking simple, super direct. Um, and it doesn't really have that same super extreme thing that you're talking about. And I think there's something really cool about the fact that mm -hmm. like even, even the song fly for instance, or but like not uh, everything has to be crazy. Exactly. Like there's this, I, I sort of call it 311 theory. You, I, I feel mm -hmm. like you like I 311. love 311. I knew yeah. it. I knew you would. Okay. So like 311's first record came out and it's funk, punk, reggae, rock, rockabilly. And because they, they, they like preconceived that whatever comes after it is totally accessible, totally acceptable right. and accessible. I think ice nine continually does this thing where like you expect the unexpected. Cause we've been doing that for so long that like you can get X and this is what I was going to say. So we wrote X mortis, which is just like, it's like, we, we literally wrote that song for arenas. We wrote that song for that vibe and like watching my band play with Metallica and open up with X mortis. I was just like, this is okay. It worked. This is fucking insane. Yeah. But we wrote that and then we wrote assault and batteries right after it, which right. is like I, between farewell to flesh and assault and batteries, I would say that those two are the most extreme guitar wise funeral. I'm sorry. Funeral derangements is what I meant. Not farewell to flesh. Funeral derangements has. So that's the pet cemetery one. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. That one has extremely challenging guitar parts, but then it sits yeah. back in the pocket as a result and batteries is pretty extreme the whole time. But the hard part in funeral is probably a little harder than assault and batteries, but collectively assault and batteries is fucking up there. But just like the idea that we could oscillate between like zombie Elvis to like murdering doll chaos back to like, I think what was the one we did after that? It was probably like shower scene, which was like super mellow. And then I think we did actually farewell to flesh after that with Matt Squire. So it's like, there we we there you can do no wrong when you have uh the predetermined idea of all of it's right do you know what i'm saying yeah but that doesn't mean people are gonna like it or get it which true. they do true that's a very that's a that's a very you know? good point i mean that's the part that's really amazing to me is like it's one thing to be experimental like that alone i respect that but if you can be experimental and you know commercially successful like God damn, that is like the hardest thing in the world. Yeah, dude. I, I mean, I think you and I could probably have this discussion for ages, but it probably has a lot to do with like accessibility combined with the ambiguousness combined with the like enigma nature of Spencer while simultaneously being like super humorous and a normal, like it's like everything is like this right. middle, middle path on, on all the stuff that feels like, um, extreme in any way right like right like someone who's to anything i don't think i think spencer and and the band for that matter for the marketing team we found a way to just kind of like hit the middle on almost everything and i think it allows people to come up with their own 
extreme opinions or interpretations of what it is, right? Like I do, I do know for a fact that people prefer the more extreme stuff over the not more extreme stuff, or they prefer the more like worst vacation shower scene songs over the assault and batteries. Like there's for sure types of fans of us that prefer different yeah. types of songs we have. But the fact of the matter is, is all those people show up to the same show and they all commingle, right. love the, the, the songs just as much as the next person. And I think, I think there's no answer. I think this band is an absolute anomaly. I think that's what, totally, I think so I think too. That's what it is, dude. Yeah. Well, I think also it's kind of timing in the sense that if you yes. did the same thing, 12 years ago, I don't know that it would have worked so well. And like with, with guitar in particular, you know, like I said, I've been playing guitar for a long time, not particularly well, but um, I started playing in like 1990, like right at the very end of the shred era. Um, you know, when Steve Vai and stuff was still in guitar magazines and stuff. So sick. And, and it feels to me like guitar is in a better place now than it has been probably since then. You know, with, you know, Polyphia, Animals as Leaders, you know, Periphery, these bands that are doing like very, you know, these are all like very, very guitar focused bands, you know, and plenty of others, people like Jason Richardson, stuff like that. You know, um, it, it feels like we're in a place now where that kind of, I'll, I'll call it shred music, um, even though I don't think those bands are all exactly that, but it's like, you know, it's guitarist music, Virtu virtuoso type shit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like it's in a better place than it has been since then. And that it's not just guitarists who are into that stuff. You're super right, dude. You're super right. And, and I wonder what it is. Cause I'm, I'm, as you were saying this, I'm like, yeah, you know what? There was like, there was Steve Vai and there was Joe Satriani and there was Paul Gilbert. I yeah. could I could list you like too many people right now that are like feeling like that to me in the scene totally. today. And there and was an, and and like if you look at like Jeff Loomis in 2011, I mean he had his fans, but and he was he's on that level, but he was not. I mean, just nobody was getting the kind of reaction that people like Tim Henson are now. You know what I mean? It's just it, is it the is it the timing crisscross of socials with like. I think so. Yeah. I mean, people like, you know, or Ichika, these people that like, yeah. there wasn't a, there wasn't really a, a venue for people to like show off, you know, in the way that like, I think specifically Instagram, you know, yeah. and TikTok let you do, there wasn't a place to show off in 2011. Like there is now, I mean, there's MySpace, but it's not the same, you know, or Facebook or what, it's not the same. Do you know what I think is another big part of this too, is like when I was a, a kid growing up and I would still buy those Steve Vai guitar world magazines and be like, yeah, I'm not, that's Steve Vai though. Like I can't do that. I'm right. not going to, I'm not going to ever hit that mark. That's like, all right, maybe, maybe the people he talks about, like in the news, like I'll, I'll check out. Like, I remember he was talking about Aaron Marshall and he was talking about Pliny a couple years ago. And I was like, yeah. all right. So like, he's recognizing that this is like the new, the new thing. So he's sort of passing the baton, so to speak, passing the torch. Yeah. Right. And I recognized that and I started to see dudes like Tim Henson, dudes like Manuel. Do you know Manuel? Mm -mm. Gardner? Uh, he's, he's unbelievable. Unbe from no. Unprocessed, this is band. It's another uh, no. style band. Super okay. sick. Angel Vivaldi, like on and all these yeah. kinds of guys, right? It's the accessibility of it. It's the fact that you could see the success they're having and then be like, hey man, how are you doing? And then talk with them about like, yeah what's going on in their day and then maybe how they did it and then be like, watch a video of them working on a part that they can't play yet. And you're like, fuck, they're human. Right. 
I could. Right. Right. So I think there's this thing where people can like taste the success that all these people are now feeling or, or, or living. And I think it's creating this, this magnetism for people to put in that extra effort right now. And I, I think that's a big part of why like the youngest kids these days are making people my age look like we can't play music because there's Dude, this like it's excitement. monstrous. Like yeah, I, right. I remember I'll, I'll, I'll put it in terms of drums, but I remember, you know, back in the day, it was rare to find anybody that even owned a double bass pedal, let alone could play competent double bass, yep. you know, in like it, they're playing in like real bands. And now just the average 16 year old at guitar center just wipes the floor with anybody from my generation. Basically, how weird would you be to buy a single kick, right? Do they how? make those? Yeah, they still make guitars with six strings. Yeah, you 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 have to buy a half double kick. You don't get a single kick. <laughs> right. <laughs> right, but I mean it but it's true. I mean just you you go on TikTok and you can find millions and millions of just random high school kids playing the craziest Midwest emo stuff and just all the shit that yeah. you know you see you see thousands it's not just three people that can do this stuff. It's thousands and you're like, "Well, I guess if there's 5,000 people on TikTok that do it, why can't I be 5,001?" Yeah, there's something really interesting in like the the isolated nature that it was at before. Like there's Steve yeah. I in his own isolated. Like now ever, there's this connectivity. There's this like fascia or connective tissue that is social media connecting all of us together. And I think like, do you know 100th Monkey? That, that, that theory? Yeah. I remember I think, the movie. I don't remember like no, the you're, I think you're thinking of I think you're thinking of 12 Monkeys. Oh, Brad maybe oh, the Bruce Willis movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, okay. that movie fucking slaps. Hundredth monkey is is a concept where it's like this monkey is put in a cage and it solves uh, it's given a puzzle to solve and it gets frustrated and they take it out. Then they put another monkey in. It bypasses frustration and starts to do it uh, and maybe gets one piece. Then the next monkey comes in immediately gets that one piece, gets a second piece. And by the hundredth monkey. Solves it immediately. That monkey didn't know any of the other monkeys, was never around that puzzle, walks in and immediately solves it. Then every monkey mm. after that can solve it. It's the concept of collective consciousness. Right. Okay. And it's fucking real. And I have this opinion. Sure, of, it is. Yeah. It feels like hundredth monkey. It's like, all right, Tim Henson did it, and here's how he did it, and now we know that we could all do it. And then if someone else can do it, I can do it. And now three yep. of us one. Let's make that six. Like the com the compound growth mixed with the hundredth monkey, mixed with the connective tissue. I think there's a lot of stuff going on right now. Like you said, it's it's the time that's making this so awesome. Yeah. Well, the the flip side of that is like, and I'd be interested to know your answer to this is like, because everyone's so good now, how do you stand out in a world where Jason Richardson exists? It's a really good question. Um, I remember hearing this quote about Jeff Bezos. Your brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room. I've heard that before. Mm-hmm. That is what I think the solution is. What do people say about Jason Richardson? Dude, they say, God do damn that? it, like, that guy is fucking insanely, <laughs> inhumanly good at playing guitar. Right, right, right. And like for me, I'll, I'll attach like pieces of that to my brand, but I want to have much more things attached to it. Like the fact that I'm right. a super real dude, the fact that I'm love fucking cooking and fucking meditating and like talking about nutrition and health and like, yeah. So like, so like if all you have is that you're good, you have to be the absolute best, exactly. which I would say in terms of like just straight up shredding, Jason arguably is, is yeah. that. 
of this Dude, generation. You, that'd be like me looking at Steve Vai back in the day and being like, I'll do that. Plus you just, yeah. you just, you don't, you, right? You, like, yeah, you don't. The only person who's going to get better than Jason Richardson is someone who probably some 12 year old right now. Right. Who's just like, doesn't even know he exists. They just are yeah. like, in the and in five years going to be like, holy fuck, what is this? Exactly. Like, I don't think someone directly competing with Jason is going to feel inspired to surpass him. I yeah. think it's going to be someone who understands that true growth and expertise and mastery comes from competing with yourself. Yeah. And I think the 12 year old who hears that and like whatever fucking self-help book he needs to fucking read for that. <laughs> it's going to be huge. It's going to be huge. It's probably it's happening right now. Like you just said, I would also argue that especially with people, you know, like with like Tim Henson or Polyphia in general, I mean, obviously they're like incredibly good players from a technical perspective, but I think that they're, um, Complete. They're exactly, exactly. It's their overall like aesthetic sensibility, and not. I don't mean just the visuals. Like, I mean it's like their songwriting. You know, it's all of that. It's like if all Tim did was just post like cool guitar tricks, Polyphia would not be a tenth as big as they are. Absolutely not. And and also just going on what you just said, their songs feel like what they look like. Yes. Yes. Their songs feel like white flowy cloth with like leather and, and nice lamps yeah. exactly like that's yeah. everything that tim henson is doing in his studio when he like yeah. do you think he's not on purpose like kicking back in his couch and like leaning back in a position where you like you look beyond relaxed and then you're totally. doing what you, then you're doing what you and you do. can see his gucci flip-flops it's all i don't want to use the word concocted in a negative way but it's all concocted it's all a deliberate part of, like, it's deliberate right it's all yeah. a matter of like if I understand that perception is reality, how can I play with your perception so that I can control what you think my reality is? Right, right. In a fucked up way, right? But that's sort of like, right. is that marketing 101 maybe? <laughs> well, like way? people always um, like talk shit about me for wearing like Nike stuff. Um, <laughs> Get fucked. <laughs> but, but that's deliberate. It's right. because I, I, I don't, Exactly. I don't want, I mean, for one, I just actually like the brand because it fits me well. That's part of it. So it's not like, you know, it's not a concoct, it's not concocted in that way, but like <clears throat> I could go out and buy like a metal costume and wear that all the time. Be like, Oh, people want me to wear, you know, fucking machine head shirts or whatever. I could go out and buy my metal head. You calling merch a costume? <laughs> it, it would be if I bought it inauthentically. Yeah. Yes. You're super, it would you're be a super costume. Right. Yeah. Um, not when other people do it. No, like I'm not saying it is for them, but like for me, it would be a costume. Um, but I'm just, I've, I'm just all clothes we wear is a costume. I'm just tripping out. If you zoom out on that enough, it's a little bit. It's absolutely. A little absolutely. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. Especially as things with, you know, logos on them, which, yeah. you know, merch is like, it's an expression of your identity. Absolutely. You know, it's awesome. a message that you want to send to the world. Why did you buy that misfits shirt? Why do you want people to know you're a misfits fan? You know, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Just, yeah. there's a reason I, for it. That was the first band shirt I ever bought in sixth grade. And I was f made so much fun of for wearing that fucking shirt. The die, die, my darling misfit shirt. Oh, that's a good one. I used to have that's that one. A sick shirt, dude. And I remember like, I brought that's that. That's the one with like the, the eyeball, right? It's like, it's got like a, like a Marilyn. Oh no, that's the, 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 the Marilyn Monroe one. Yeah, no. Yeah, the, yeah, it's, yeah. Um, and like pur purple misfits, I think up top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sick shirt. But I remember like for two years, people just made fun of me. And then all of a sudden in eighth grade, all of my friends started wearing band shirts and I was like, I get it. I get it. I good luck guys being fucking costumed. 
But like for me, I I dress the way that I dress in videos because, you know, I I want to make it clear that basically I'm not sort of the the guy that wears the the denim vest with the motorhead patch on it. Right. You know what I mean? That right. I have a different point of view. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but just no. that I have a different point of view. So that sends a message, you know. It, to- it totally does. Are you are you hip to I feel like you know Matt Bacon. Do you know Matt Bacon? Uh, not I mean a little bit. I've talked to him a little bit. He's 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 like another one of those dudes where you're like, when I think of Matt Bacon, I think of a cigar. Yes. Right. Or, or, or he doesn't. That was the first thing I was going to say about him, actually, is like, oh, yeah, the guy that's always smoking the cigars and is not even smoking. It's just in his mouth. OK, there we go. And that's like that probably like, owns one cigar. <laughs> that's, it, it, for all we know, it's a prop, right? It's the same right. one every day. And it's like it's just one of those things where you're like, oh, the guy with the cigar. Otherwise, you're like, oh, th- that dude named Matt. Right. How does that how does that go? Right. Anywhere? So like in the day and age where some 12 year old korean kid is going to just play circles around me how does how do we stand out i think it's those right. types of things like it's infusing other things into the conversation so that you're not just like because if someone goes oh he's the best and then someone can retort with no they're not this one is you right. lose you lose right he's and the second best yeah <laughs> that's not that but that's not that cool it's not that cool it's not that cool. you know although number two is pretty cool shit in your pants <laughs> pretty cool um yeah there's there's something 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 really interesting about that though dude i don't i've never had this this thought it's a really heavy heavy question you're asking man well i mean that's the challenge i think for creators of any kind really is yeah that's the challenge you know because we live in a world where there's so many people doing everything and a lot of them are very good at it you know unless you were like very 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 obviously the absolute best it's got to be something else. And to your point, you know, that that's a temporary thing. You know, that's not sustainable. You can't be that forever, no matter who you are. You know, I mean, at some point you're getting arthritis, right? And then you're like, yeah, at at some point, let me ask you this. Do you think people who are recognizing that like they need to elevate what their brand is or, or whatever, and they need to like create other conversation pieces and like other topic points, do you think it works best when you actually are just bringing in who you are or when it is, I guess, deliberate, concocted, different words. Let's use the word concocted, right? Yeah. So if it's concocted, do you think that works as much as just revealing your authentic self? I have a very specific answer for this. People will tell you that they want authenticity. Um, that is not true. What people want is what they perceive as authentic. Like, I'm sure you you know this as well as anybody, I'm sure, because it happens to me too. If you just really like put out your pure, unadulterated, authentic self, I bet a lot of people don't dig it. Yeah. I mean, this, like right now we're in a podcast, right? This is me, but am I putting it on a little bit? Fuck yeah, dude. I'm, of course. I just slammed coffee to wake up to like be up enough yeah but at the same time if it's not palpable then i guess it's going to be perceived as authenticity like what's his name jody high roller what's the, what's that dude's name riffraff riffraff that's like yeah. the first thing that comes to my mind is like is anyone on earth authentically that 
Probably fucking not. I guess maybe Flava Flav. No, <laughs> although I know somebody that lived with him for a while, and I was like, was have you real? ever seen him break character? And he's like, only once, dude. <laughs> Whoa. All right. They, they, were All going, right. they were going to the airport, and his car broke down. <laughs> On the way to the airport, pissed. he got pissed off and broke character. That's the only time. <laughs> but, it's, but it's character, right? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's so challenging. So it's just like... Like, I don't so I think there's like um I, I think there's some people who can basically be their authentic self and that works for them. Um I, I don't know the guy well enough to say for sure that this is true, but I think Nick Nocturnal is an example of that. Like um I, I get the sense that what you see on YouTube is like yeah. Nick's hundred percent like authentic self and people love it. I mm-hmm. mean it's possible that he's like playing a character and this is all a lie, but I don't think so. He's a really I, good I actor then. Yeah, exactly. I think that's just genuinely 100% who he is. I don't think there's anything about that that's like contrived. And that and and if you're one of those people, that's awesome and I wish I was too. Um but for the rest of us, especially if you're wired a little bit differently than the rest of the world, which you and I both definitely are, then, you know, you you kind of have to put a little bit more thought into it. And like if you think you're going to go out into the world and just be your authentic self and everyone's going to reward you and pat you on the back for that, not going to fucking happen most likely in fact probably uh you're going to fuck up your whole life it's super true man i'll I'll use a really 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 simple example because this was me it's the it's the notion of hey man you want to go out tonight authentically no i don't i've done that enough in my life i'm good bro but if i say no enough times i won't be invited anymore yeah and then my authentic self is clearly chosen as the loser and they would have preferred me to be inauthentic and showed up, right? Exactly. So there, there's, exactly moments, right. there's moments where we, we, need to, we need to show up as a character for other people. Yeah. That's a little bit Maybe strange. some it's people not, don't need to go through life this way and I'm sure, envious of sure. them. <laughs> yeah. It's not a struggle to show up to a fucking event for everyone. But Yeah, like I wish I, I, wish I didn't have to like spend like deliberate effort thinking about almost everything that I do or say and wonder how other people are going to perceive it. I sure wish I didn't have to live that way, but I do. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. That that's, I just learned a word recently that I've been using too much. Have you heard of the word ontological? Uh, yes, but I don't know what it means. It's like an internal truth. Like the second you say that, I'm like, yep, that resonates so deeply with me that I know that is me. It's like, if someone's like, what goes up must come down. Yeah, no, I feel that that's, that's facts. Okay. There's like, that's, there's like an ontological feeling behind what you just said that hurts a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, it sucks. It sucks, dude. Like, like the people who are just like, yeah, let's fucking go. It's going to rule. I'm like, dude, I got to like prep my. But first, I want to thank DistroKid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. If you're not familiar, DistroKid is a digital music distribution service that musicians use to put their music into online stores and streaming services. So in plain language, if you have ever wondered how to get your music on iTunes, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, Amazon, Deezer, Tidal, and many, many more, there's like 
dozens and dozens of different streaming services. DistroKid is the way to do it. It is super easy. I have used it to put my music on Spotify. It took me maybe five minutes to like set it up and upload everything. It's legitimately awesome. I am sincerely a fan of this company and their product. And for those of you who have asked, you can also upload your music to TikTok with DistroKid. And if you want a chance to get featured on DistroKid's Spotify playlists, you can do that by submitting a song through Spotlight and getting your fans to vote for you. You can also use Hyperfollow to get more Spotify followers. You can promote your new release as well as Spotify Canvas. That's where there's the video in the background in the player. And when you share it on Instagram, it shares that video too to make your Spotify release pop. And Spotify Canvas is available to all DistroKid artists. Like I said, as you can probably tell from this, like I am sincerely a fan of DistroKid. DistroKid can do everything I just talked about and so much more. So be sure to sign up with my link, which is in the show notes for this episode, to get 7% off your first year. That link is in the show notes of this episode or go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash the punk rock NBA. And thanks again to DistroKid for sponsoring this episode. My brain to pretend to be excited. I had, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Because I know that you want me to be excited and I yes. genuinely like you and I'm not trying to manipulate you. I'm just like, okay, I know that if I just say like, yeah, sounds good with this face, then you're going to think I'm not excited and that's going to make you sad and you're my friend and I don't want you to be sad. So I'm going to smile right now yeah. to make and you I, feel good, and which say, will make me yeah. feel good. Let's, let's do yeah. it. I'm stoked. Exactly. Exactly. And it's yeah. not that I'm not stoked. I just know that I have to display this in a certain way so that you read it the right way. Like my, my, uh, my old boss, um, there were two of us that worked for him. Um, hey, what's up? This is Blake Wyland. I'm the host of the Tone Mob podcast. It's a show where I interview guitar people about guitar stuff. We talk about their pedals, their amps, their accessories, their preferences, all that stuff, as well as a healthy dose of whatever comes up. Topics have ranged from aliens to addiction and anywhere in between. Oh yeah, and pizza. We're definitely going to be talking about pizza. So get the show wherever you're listening to this podcast at. Just search The Tone Mob in your search bar and it will pop right up. Come join us. We're having a lot of fun. Thanks for checking it out. And uh, my counterpart, she was like an engineer for like software engineer for like 15 years and stuff. And her and I were like wired very similarly. And I remember there's one time we were in a meeting and he was explaining this idea to us that he was really excited about. And we're like listening and he just stops in the middle of a sentence. And he's like, are you guys, are you guys like mad at me? Is this like the worst idea you've ever heard? And we just looked at each other and we're like, no, this, no, this is good. Why? Why? And he's like, I just, you guys look like I just, you know, told you to fuck yourselves. And both of us are just like, Oh, uh, okay. I, you know, and so that's when I, you have to do that. You got to put on the mask of like smile and nod sometimes so that the humans, you know, um, <laughs> it's like, I feel like yeah, I, sometimes I wonder, humans. you know, it's like, I wonder how much cognitive effort I spend. I feel like I constantly have like a process running in my brain. That's like basically allocating whatever, some like kind of large portion of my cognitive cycles to this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Your, your head's like, remind them you're human. Blink twice. Yeah, which I think this is called autism. Um, the older I, I'm not joking. The older I get, I'm like, you're so right. Yeah, I think that's what this is. You're you're so right. We don't we don't need to go there, but yes, me, yes, hello. <laughs> you, yes, it is what it us, is. Yes, 
ism. <laughs> yes, dude, it's a weird. It's but a it's weird, a superpower too, at least for for it, you know for some people. Superpower. For other people, it's it, it's really hard. But for other people, you know, I mean, that's the reason why I'm able to do everything I do, and it's super fucking easy for me to do things that are really hard for other people. And then also, like doing the dishes might be impossible. Well, yeah, at least it <laughs> took me 20 years to learn that, you know, but like yeah. for me, like I can look at a system of things like, for example, the way a company runs or something like that. And it's like very obvious to me almost instantly, like pattern sort of, right? yes, how this is going to play out unless we change something. Mm-hmm. I, it's obvious and it comes to me almost instantly. Did you have, we don't need to go here, but that's usually a skill set developed from traumatic childhood. Uh, yeah, I mean, it wasn't great. You know, my mom was like alcoholic. Her parents died and her Same brother season. killed himself and blah, 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 all this awful stuff. Jeez, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, other people had it far worse than I did, but it wasn't, it wasn't of course, ideal. Of course, but, but again. I, like, I've been that way my entire life. I think I was born with it. Totally, totally. But at the same time, your propensity to like look for patterns and see solutions and be able to predict what's going to happen is to yes. keep yourself safe. To avoid uncertainty in the future, which is my fundamental drive in life is to avoid uncertainty because I believe uncertainty leads to negative outcomes, which, which creates amazing successes for you in so many different facets of your life. And then your wife's like, let's go spontaneously do. And you're like, like, no, (laughs) right. No. So there's like, how how about, can you write out a script of everything we'll do? And then we'll, so this like, yes, it's a super, like I eat the same thing for, breakfast every single day and I have for years and if I don't get to eat it it causes me I feel a fight or flight response yeah dude that's definitely some tisms <laughs> yeah and I can I can push it down but like right. I feel it like you know like it's okay man it's just it's just eggs you can yeah, live without dude, it today it's so, it's so interesting <laughs> I'm trying to remember where I read this recently but it was the discussion that like ADHD attention deficit hyper disorder it's not a disorder it's actually an overwhelm right and it's mm. sorry it's not it's not a uh, not a deficit it's an overwhelm not it is a disorder let's not let's not be wrong with that mm-hmm. it's an overwhelm and adhd in the modern times where there's like everything you could possibly need is like a foot away from us or at a button it's excessive because everything's taking my attention but in a world where our tribe is like cooking fucking meat and I'm yeah. off the side and I heard this fucking crack in the woods. And that was the wolf that was going to fucking like, we're, we're alive because I heard that and no one else did. Yeah. So there's like certain aspects where this is designed into humanity for a very particular reason, except the wolf doesn't exist anymore. And the people right, who have right. this, this, this ism we're talking about, the wolf exists in their mind constantly. Yes. And that's where it becomes that fight or flight thing. That's where like, like I just, I just did some, some blood work recently and just, I guess as an education to people, I just learned this shit. My blood work was like, my guy said, dude, you've been on adrenaline and cortisol. Like you're, you're anxious as fuck constantly, huh? Hmm. He said that my, my blood was filled with adrenaline and cortisol. And I was like, well, yeah, like it's something I've been dealing with, but it's been the past couple of weeks. Didn't really think anything of it. And then I spoke to my doctor, um, soon after that. Lo and behold, there's new information coming out for every hour that you're under anesthesia is one month of fucked up symptoms, including Mm. the fact that your blood is just going to be like basically half adrenaline cortisol. So they did this study on dogs where they put dogs under uh, 
not death, that sounded gnarly. They put yeah. dogs under for, for, for sleep and they put another, like the B group under and they would just like cut open the leg and then stitch it back up. And the other one was just put out. And the amount of cortisol and adrenaline was equal in both of those groups, regardless <laughs> of having the surgery or not. Right. And the adrenaline and cortisol stayed in the blood for as long in terms of months for as many hours as they were under. So I'm still dealing with like one more month of fucky symptoms hmm. because of okay. that, which is a great, like people don't say that shit, dude. I'm just sitting yeah. here dealing with like debilitating anxiety things that were coming on. Like I would like go on a drive and all of a sudden I like, whoa, 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 I'm going to black out. What the fuck's going on? I can't stay awake. What the fuck? And then all of a sudden I'm finding out it's because my body is like looking for its thyroid and then it's freaking out and sure. because there's no nerves anymore there. It's sending a bunch of referred pain. So I feel neck, neck and heart pain. And I'm like, Oh my God, I'm going to die. And my doctor's like, Oof. no, that's because, because your nerves don't have anywhere to go. So they're just doing right. referred pain. So all of this stuff starts to make a lot more sense when you look at it for what it is, instead of what you think it could be. Right. right? And then everything sort of calms down, but just the notion of like that wolf in the mind, that adrenaline and cortisol existing all times puts us on high alert. And I think being on high alert keeps you super attentive and super aware. And I think that yeah. awareness and attentiveness is what goes hand in hand with like the types of creatives that we are. And ironically, I didn't know you were like a 30 year, you're, you're a tenured musician. I knew you played bass like in band. I mean, right? I'm not, I mean, compared to you guys, I completely fucking suck, but <laughs> And compared to fucking Tim Henson, I suck. Like, who, like, who cares? <laughs> so it's just like, uh, compared to Steve Vai, Tim Henson sucks. It's like, on, you right. can do that ev forever, right? And sure. I, don't, I don't actually mean that. I'm just saying, like, you could forever yeah, yeah, yeah. shit on yourself yeah. um, if you compare. But, like, just, just the whole notion of, like, all of these, these isms that all of us are dealing with, I think they're either superhero capes, if you wear them, circling back on the pride thing, if you can wear that shit yeah. proudly. That's a fucking superhero cape. Otherwise. And you got to be able to take it on and off in the right situations. Yes. yes dude. That's the and hard like, part is like taking you it said, off. Push it down. Like if you're at a fucking URM event and you don't get your eggs, you still need to be on at the URM event. <laughs> yes. You don't get to be Finn throwing a fit, right? Yes, exactly. And you know, I, I, I just thought I was an asshole for so long. You know, really, really. I just yeah. thought like, wow, I'm just a, I'm just a fucking asshole. And I really beat myself up for a long time. And it's only recently after talking to my psychiatrist and stuff that like, no, that's just the way my brain works, which, you know, just is what it is. It's the same way as if someone's like, hang on, can you walk a little slower? I've got a, you know, fucked up knee or something. It's like, nobody thinks less of you because your knee works differently. Right. You know? And, and also for that matter, just because you said this and like, I've been taking on this concept that I, I think true, true man shit, true masculinity is vulnerability. And you talking yeah. about a psychiatrist right now and us talking about all of this stuff. I am excited because in 48 minutes, I have my first therapist that I've done in nice. like six fucking years. And this is about like what I just went through. And it's like, this is, this is like, thank you for saying that, man. This is something that I think a lot of people are like afraid to talk about. And I was actually, I fuck. I don't give a fuck either, dude. I was hit up by so many musicians when I was talking about the cancer shit. And they were like, dude, you're like, I have so much respect for you that you were able to like share this with people. Like I went through this and this and this, and like, I was afraid and I'm sitting there going like, I would have no idea how to keep that private. Yeah. Like, I, would have, same. I would have no, you know what I mean? And I'm sitting there going, yeah. like, 
I didn't know I was a superhero crusading for like what you thought was impossible. But for me, this is super fucking normal. But you just saying that right there, like I have this like, I did therapies a long time ago. I've gone through a bunch of therapists because of like my mom's stuff many, many years ago. Like didn't, it didn't go well. And because of that, I have six years of like these aversions to it. Dude, stepping, stepping into vulnerability, stepping into this shit, I think is like, that's man shit. As far as I'm concerned, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just trying to color it. Like, no, I think so too. To me, I think of it like in, in fighting, you know, when someone loses and then they make a bunch of excuses and say their opponents sucked and this, that, and the other, just like roll my eyes. But when someone else is like, dude, that guy's a beast. I couldn't get anything going. He knocked me the fuck out in the second round props to him. I'm like, respect. There's someone who like, exactly. And willing to like admit reality for to me. It's like my fundamental thing in life is that I do my very best. Well, I, I, I don't really have a choice. I believe that I just see reality as it is and act accordingly, you know? Yeah. And like, I think a lot of other people sort of, they, everyone sees reality or at least mostly, but they don't want to see it. You know, I'm like, well, it just is what it fucking is. It's a horse blinder life, dude. It just is what it is. Yeah. You know, like. I got cancer. This fucking sucks. What do we do? Yeah. You know? Yeah. My uncle, my uncle, um, like seven months ago, I was in New York visiting him and we were driving and he were in traffic and we were going to not make it somewhere in time. And he looks at me and goes, ah, it is what it isn't. That shit fucked me up. That said mm. that phrase. It is what it is. Everyone says that it is what yeah. it isn't. Twists my shit up. What but do you mean by that? It's like exactly it, it's exactly what you think it is. Exactly yeah. what you think it is is what it isn't. Whatever the th- the truth is, the opposite is also true. Yeah, it's just yeah, the, it's it, just absolutely. Know, it's accepting like the yin yang of reality. That you're yeah. like, I know, I know that reality this is-, is what it is. But you're, but the way that you interpret it and what you do about it is completely up to you. And that's what I think that phrase that he was saying like is, this is a disaster. We're going to miss the wedding. Well, maybe okay. we'll miss the wedding, but whether it's a disaster or not is up yeah. to you. Yeah, like maybe maybe there was like a fucking car accident around the corner that we don't know we avoided. Or maybe you and I are going to have a great conversation in this car that I'm going to remember for the next 20 years and it's going to be awesome and this exactly. will change my life. Exactly, dude. And and just the notion of it is what it isn't has been something that I've applied to guitar for like my entire guitar playing yeah. career. It's like it's the same concept that I use to think differently and then lo and behold the uncle who bought me that guitar for my bar mitzvah drops this fucking quote on me that fucks up and proves my guitar approach. It's like a weird, weird full circle thing. But that, that whole, um, ism conversation we're having, man, is, is really rubbing me wrong and right at the same time. It's well, do you, do you hear people talking about this stuff? Like in this, in this realm, have you done this before? Um, no. It's well, I mean, heavy. I've talked about it a little bit here and there, but the main thing I've realized is like specifically for my discord, shout out to everyone on my discord. I'm not Love trying me. to throw you under the bus, but over the past couple of years, like I've realized that especially in metal, the amount of autism is off the motherfucking charts. Yeah, dude. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Like no. I'm not judging or putting anyone down or like, I, I actually like autistic people. Um, Same. but I just sort of didn't realize that it was that much of a thing because when I was a kid, like autistic meant that you sat in a corner and stared at the wall and didn't talk like that. It was either that or you were normal one or the other when I was a kid, you right. know, um, and, it wasn't and, like, a, it wasn't and, a spectrum thing. 
No, no. It was like either you were just like profoundly disabled and nonverbal or you're normal one or the right. other. Right. Um, and from interacting with people over the past couple of years, I've just like, okay, this is, I've, I've just learned to see a lot of these patterns of human behavior that maybe before I would just be like, this guy's weird or something like that. But now I'm like, no, this is a whole type of human being, you know, which sometimes I fit into, sometimes I don't, whatever. But it's just made me really, really hyper aware of this thing and and get to know these people a lot better and realize like, oh, in some ways I um, fit in with them and just think about sort of some of the own, some of the patterns that I exhibit too, if that makes sense. Dude, I, I absolutely see that. I mean this with the most love in the world. I think that like everybody is a little bit autistic, like in reality, j just as much as like the, the old joke that like everyone's a little homosexual, right? It's like the same, uh -huh. it's the same kind of concept, right? And I think that, let me see if I can find a way to say this. You know, the discussion of like the rise of autism in, in today's day and age is like unlike any other era. I have heard people talk about that. I, I don't have an opinion on whether it's true or not. Well, so, well, so, is, so is the popularity of metal. Yeah, well, <laughs> for yes. I mean, certainly the awareness of autism for sure yeah. is a thing, whether... Yeah. That's because we recognize something we didn't recognize before or whether it's because there is actually something new. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. But definitely like, the awareness of it. In, in, in myself, I was drawn to metal music because it expressed something that I knew was real in a way that I couldn't. It was touching on emotions that felt taboo. It was where I felt outcasted and misunderstood. I was stepping into a circle yeah. of people who are also outcasted and misunderstood. Yeah. Um, when I felt like I didn't have words to express something, which is absolutely autism, um, right. music would express it for me and metal music for that matter. Um, I would hide in my costumes to feel yep. like more like myself, like all of yep. these things. If you zoom out enough, dude, like that's all coping, right? You kind of check. Yeah. It checks all the boxes. And the other thing the I talked, I just did a podcast with the guy with Amos from Tesseract talking about this, but also, um, stimming. No oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah. Big thing. You know, especially like technical music, right? Soothes the brain, soothes an overstimulated brain by like raising the overall noise level. And I mean mm -hmm. that literally and figuratively. Yeah. If the world is noisy and overwhelming, but you play fucking, you know, necrophagist super loud. Yeah. Well, now everything just sort of like drowns out all the noise of the world. It's the smelling salts of fucking music is what it is. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I totally... I totally see that. And I have to now listen to this, this podcast you just did because Tesseract is one of my all time favorite bands. Amos fucking rips. And if you guys talk, oh, you'll like it. Years, it's yeah. a good one. You'll like awesome, it. Awesome, dude. Yeah. The, the world we're in is so interesting, man. What do you, what is your, what is your take on the current like scene in metal? Like, where do you see this headed? Cause I have this thought or conversation I should say with students all the time on like, like Lorna Shore is the shit right now. Where is that yep. headed? Where's that is, is I feel like death is on its way out. Something new's happening. Like, where do you think the next thing is? I think the next thing, which is people will scoff at this because for better or worse, again, my superpower is that I can like see the future. Predict. Dude, um, that's why I'm asking you. You're, you're which, which metal Domus. People, people hate. I think, um, the, the thing that we will look back on as being significant, I would say is like, um, 
alternative pop. Um, for example, like Olivia Rodrigo would be an example of this. It's a lot of these like women, I think is, you know, um, Charlotte Sands, you know, you could, you could put Charlie XCX as kind of part of that. Uh I think we're going to look back on that as like, um, part of alternative culture in a way that like currently people kind of don't like everyone hates Olivia Rodrigo now and thinks she's blah, 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 blah. Really? Um, isn't yeah. she like the biggest selling ever or some shit? Yeah. Yeah. Oh shit. Yes. Um, but you know, the people who decide these things, gotcha, you know, gotcha. the haters. <laughs> um, yes, exactly. And, and they talk about her exactly the same way they talked about Paramore and stuff. They, uh, 15 mm-hmm. years ago. Um, now that's not like directly metal, but I mean, there's people like Maggie Lindemann and stuff like that. She has like a, I think it's out now. But, like she has a straight up gent song on her album. You know stuff like that. I mean, it, it's more metal than people. Lil Uzi Vert, um, you know, just went to number one on Billboard with an album that has "Bring Me the Horizon" and "Baby Metal" on it. You know, and the guy from Pale Face Swiss wrote one of the songs, and he's fucking number one on Billboard. You know, so I, I think there's a lot of this sort of, you know, alternative pop and hip hop stuff that is like very obviously a part of the culture that isn't currently recognized as such. So that I, I think in 10 years, you know, cause it takes a while, you know, rock people are kind of slow to adapt. Um, I yeah, think Led Zeppelin I mean, just Einstein got old. kills. What's that? Led Zeppelin just got old. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And ice nine kills is a good example of this, you know, took 15 years for ice nine kills to become an overnight success. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, so that, that's what I think in regards to like metal in particular, I think um, the rise of like home recording and just the technology, I think, is unlocking like a whole gen. Like, I don't think this stuff will ever be like on MTV. It's not going to be like mainstream kind of stuff, I don't think. But basically, there's a whole generation of people who want to be the next Misha, Tim, whatever, that are this combination of like guitarist slash content creator slash producer slash entrepreneur i I almost see the whole like musician producer business like i just almost look at like musicians are entrepreneurs now yes exactly it's it's, it's entrepreneurs who who have an instrument in their hands is like really yeah who also make tiktoks and youtube videos you know and do lessons and sell plugins you know and maybe have like uh, you know, clothing brand or something like that. Yeah. I, I think that's the future. And, you know, that stuff may not get to number one on billboard or whatever, but there's no reason you couldn't make a couple hundred grand a year doing it. Even if nobody, you know, in the mainstream knows who you are, who gives a shit. Yeah. Niches are, are still absolutely livable. Yeah. So, Periphery so. is not on the cover of Rolling Stone, but Misha's got a nice fucking car collection. <laughs> yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. And they're, they're happy and they're fucking covered, you know? Yeah, and they can do whatever they want on their own terms. Yeah. Dude, have you? Like, what more could you want than that? Have you heard of Max Martin before? Yeah. Do you know yeah. his whole, do you know that whole backstory? Uh, some of it. I know Shellback was in a, a Sumerian core band. Who's Shellback? Shellback is like his like right-hand man, his like protege. Oh, I didn't know and that. He was, in, he was in a band. I think they were on Nuclear Blast. I, f- I forget. But yeah, he was in like a metalcore band. So this this is this speaks exactly to what I was about to say. So for those of you guys who don't know, Max Martin is the undisputed number one producer songwriter of all time. He will never be beaten yeah. because record sales will never be like they were in the nineties. Um, he has like twenty five number one hits and like a hundred top ten ones or something like and, that. And he's and he's still 
like relevant. He's still doing it to yeah. this day. He's still writing songs for people. Um, but like, if you think of any major '90s song, like all the Britney Spears, all the NSYNC, all the Backstreet Boys, all the '98 Degrees, all the fucking any of those. And Taylor bands, Swift. He he wrote all of that shit, dude. He wrote yeah. all of it, right? Max Martin's favorite band in the world is In Flames. Right. So the number one guy who cracked the code of pop music is actually bringing in the algorithms of metal into pop right. music. And that happened. Yeah, in a 90s. huge, huge, huge percentage of the people who make pop are metal people. Yeah. I mean, Zed like, I would say maybe people. even the majority of them. Yeah. Because it's like, wouldn't you rather be overtrained? Like, wouldn't you, wouldn't you want to lift 200 pounds so that if your job is lifting 100 pounds, super easy? Like that's, that's what being a metal musician is, is like, if I go this far, anything before that's going to be a breeze. Right. Yeah. But, but just going on that notion that like everything that we all grew up on in the nineties was built on metal structure of like the build up, the drop, the breakdown, the right. like Max Martin has an equation for writing hits. And if mm. I could explain this, if you're interested, it's, pr it's pretty fucking wild. But the concept is basically that like, he brought metal songs to people through a different scope. So now all the people who grew up loving metal without knowing it was metal are finding metal. And I think that's, I think, I feel like this is a really big part of why all of a sudden, besides the, 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 the tism comment we were just making a second ago, yeah. uh, probably both play hand in hand with it. But I think yeah. that that's something huge to do with it. Like Max Martin planted these metal seeds in the fucking nineties. And now everyone mm. who's, who's in like the power play position because we're old enough now, that's yep. what we, that was, that oh, was that, that, that's totally true. That was our roots, you know? Yeah. But that, that shit is just so true. I just love the fact that like everything that we thought was pop and glittery actually came from metal. It's fucking awesome. The more, you know, well, I'll yeah. let you get ready for your, uh, your therapist appointment here. Oh, dude, No um, worries, man. But thank you so much for joining me and, uh, always a uh, pleasure to talk. Okay. Round two, name something that's not boring. A laundry. Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the story of Whitney Houston. This is the story of Kurt Cobain. Of George Michael, of Otis Redding, of Amy Winehouse, of Michael Hutchins, Bob Marley. This is the story of Prince. It's a new podcast series. About how they died, why they died, and why we're still talking about them so long after. It's like nothing you've ever heard before. It's storytelling. But it's more than that, because rock stars... They tell us how we feel. They change our mood. They change the clothes we wear, the people we hang out with. The way we remember things. It's them who give us those ludicrous moments, the ones where you're... Jumping around, singing your heart out, feeling understood. And it's those moments we'll help you remember, the ones you're thinking about right now. That feeling. That feeling. It's coming soon from Crowd Network. Just search for Death of a Rockstar on your podcast app. And subscribe now.